Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is episode 62. I'm your host, Dom Fusco. I appreciate you tuning in today. On this episode, I sit down with Q Williams, and we discuss how he is helping men struggling to find their mission in life, ignite their curiosity, discover their passions, and live with purpose. We also discuss how cross-training your brain may be the best way to achieve optimal brain performance and performance in whatever you decide to do. We talk about leading in life, just as you would in sport, how curiosity should be a pillar, a core value in your life, just as it's been for Q, and it's helped him discover what his mission and his purpose in this life is after he was a two-sport athlete at Northwestern. Q is currently a men's coach for current and retired athletes, bringing clarity, brotherhood, and accountability to men's deepest mission after sport. As a creator of the World Class Method, Q is a leading authority on male athlete mental wellness, He was a two-sport athlete, like I mentioned, at Northwestern, where he played football and baseball. He also holds a master's degree in sports management and became a Gator Bowl champion there. After sport, he overcame years of post-concussion syndrome by leveraging his own world-class method. He went from feeling confused and angry about concussion, which really hindered him throughout his playing career, to feeling lit up, clear-eyed, and committed to thriving and making a world-class impact on other athletes. Q has spoken on countless podcasts, facilitated international men's groups, filled venues for live events across San Diego County, and today he serves as an official provider for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Behavioral Talk and founder of World Class, where he supports clients via one-on-one coaching, courses, groups, and speaking. This was an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation, especially since I, right now, am navigating through the post graduation life into the real world, discovering what my mission is. So it was really cool to get to talk to him. And he also has on his website an athlete archetype quiz, which is really cool. So we also discussed that and what my archetype is. And if you're interested in going to take that, you can head over to his website, which is linked in the show notes and check it out. So let's get into it without further ado, Q Williams. Q Williams, welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate your time. Dom, great to be here, man. So pumped. Awesome, man. So I looked when I was doing some research on you, it's hard to find something that you haven't done. So how did you end up where you are now? You you're you're not you're in your early 30s and you've already done so much in your life. How have you ended up where you're at now? Thanks for the compliment. Um, (laughs) Wow. Um, I'm a curious human being. I love asking the question why. And it's one of the reasons why I coach now is because I love asking people questions to have them go a little deeper, you know, a layer deeper. And I think I've always been about depth, you know, Um, I think when we're talking about ambition and, you know, everything you talk about in this podcast, um, I think about like, I ask athletes all the time, like, okay, you want that, you're ambitious towards that and you want these things, but why do you want it? what's it fulfilling and why is it important to you? And um, that's the question I've always asked myself, you know? Um, Mind you, I think, you know, as a two sport athlete in college, we won the Gator Bowl my senior year. Um, But after that, it was kind of over. And I was like, man, I never defined myself as a jock, Um, but I sure don't really know what I wanna do besides that, you know? Like I had had a decent idea. but I really, um, I, I think 
part of me didn't have like the confidence or like the the um the wherewithal to like know how to go out go out and do it and you know go about creating the life that I want to be on sport so um I mean you know thankfully I had a great corporate career I, I worked at a startup for a year I interned a few startups I just try to follow my curiosity and my passions and um thankfully my senior year I was in a master's program for sports management and I it's funny like my curiosity was actually just to be there for the business side of things I didn't want to work in sports um but I got curious about this one topic and it was the concussion crisis and back in 2012 no one was talking about this but we were talking about it in my sports law class and it was fascinating me um how much information was you know being suppressed and um kind of done away with and disproven about concussion about mental health and sport and i was like got to do something about this you know so that curiosity and that um kind of angst like this is messed up um that's what really drove me to do all the things that i've done since then you know i had a i had a six-year corporate career where i was kind of ruminating on this idea and like how I was going to support the cause and the mission and it's taken a lot of different shapes but um I don't know man it's tough you're asking me the question of like you know what has led to me doing all these different things I think it's really just a a real passion and curiosity I, I just I mean I love that you're hosting a podcast because I think it's one of the best you know, mediums and platforms to really just be curious and learn and be a student and ask deeper questions. So I love what you, there's a lot to unpack there, a lot of great stuff. But one of the things that you said was, you're just a curious human being. And where does that curiosity stem from? Hmm. I think it's an open-mindedness. I think um, all of my life, I've really hung my hat on being open-minded, open-hearted. And I can't be open-minded or open-hearted without kind of laying down my judgments, you know, and laying down being right. It's one of the words you'll hear a lot in like personal development. Like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? I think curiosity is where happiness really lies, where we're constantly growing, constantly really achieving, but, um, we can't grow if we're in our comfort zone and we're in our fixed mindset and we think that we know everything. So I battle every day. Do I want to be right or do I want to grow? Do I want to be happy? And so I don't know. It's, it's, I, I can't tell you where I got it from. Um, I mean, I grew up in the Methodist church. That was one of the sayings, open hearts, open minds, open doors. But I had that within me long before that. Just always been a very open-minded, curious person. Um, learned that from my mom, mostly. Um, she was very much that way. She modeled that. And I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a core value of mine. Like when people aren't excited about growth or learning, or they don't ask questions and they think things are just facts and they're gonna stay facts, they're gonna stay that way. I point them to history and show them how things have changed constantly. New information, new science, new studies have come out, right? Constantly about our brain, about what we know about the brain, what we know about mindset, what we know about everything, you know? It's always changing. So the only constant is change. So I don't know, maybe that's a, a loaded answer, but uh, I just think it's, 
it's one of my core values. No, I think it's super important. And I'm just thinking for myself because the more and more I look back, you were a football player, you were a baseball player. I did the same. I played both in high school, played football in college. And looking back, it, it was almost like it wasn't frowned upon to be like a creative, like abstract thinker, but it kind of was because you like when you're in these team sports, it's like you do this, you lift this way, you train this way. It's very much structured and doesn't give you a whole lot of room to, um, you know, be creative or even like try like when I would train on my own, I'd, I would be like, I'm going to try this exercise or, yeah. you know, I saw, I saw this or like, this is what they're talking about. Like, I want to try that. But it's like a lot of times, and you know, I've had great strength and conditioning coaches and, and people like that, but looking back, it's just like, huh? Like it's sports team sports are very much like they want you all to walk in the same path. And yeah. um, even in, in like high school more so it's like, it's not cool to be like a creative or like into arts or music or anything like that. It's like, you're a jock. And then yeah. the art, the art, artsy people or the theater people or whoever else, like that's what they do. It's like, and it's like, yeah. you can't really do both. Right. That's so true. And, and a lot often the, often the schedules actually overlap too. What was funny is I was going to Northwestern university actually, because I chose Northwestern because I had a really good, um, RTVF uh, department, which is radio, television, and film. I wanted to be a film major. You would look at me like film major, but that that's what I wanted to do. Like I was, I love carrying a camera around in high school and like documenting stuff and cutting stuff up in iMovie. And like, I just wanted to do that. I love, I want to be like a documentary filmmaker. And um, I got to school and I realized if I wanted to have that major, I really couldn't play football because all the classes to complete that major were in the morning when practice was. So like, you know, sometimes you're limited in what you can actually study or what you can actually go for and explore because of your sport, you know? And so I think a lot of athletes do kind of get stifled in their creativity and, you know, athletes will go right into like a sales job because that fits their football or baseball personality, their competitive personality. And I'm like, there's way more to your personality than just what you did on the field, you know? Um, but a lot of times that's just suppressed or you just haven't had the outlet to express it. So I think you're really hitting the nail on the head there that, um, you know, after sport, I really tried to cultivate creativity like you're doing on this podcast. My creativity was through movement. I went and did yoga after football. No more lifting weights for me, no more, you know, running hard. I was like, let me go take care of my body and actually do something that felt more artistic, more creative, more free flowing, less constrained and specific. And it's funny now you, you find yoga and meditation and breath work in most college football locker rooms now, you know, that concept is there. And I'm like, wow, I wish I would have had this when I was playing. Like, imagine how much further I could have gone. Because when you really look at it, um, textbooks, there's this really great guy who was just on um, the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, sorry to plug another guy on here, but um, it was, you know, the knees over toes guy. His name's- um, I, li I, I, listen, I listen to it, yeah. Yeah. It was a great episode, yeah. They talk about how, you know, textbooks are so outdated, you know, because yeah. like, think about how much a textbook costs. It's like 50 bucks 
to buy a brand new textbook. More than um, that, man. More than yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah, you're 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 closer to it than I am. It's been a while since I bought one. But yeah, so like these textbooks, there's a lot of work that goes into them and they sell for crazy amounts of money. Um and um there's a system, you know what I mean? Like to, to get some a new idea into a textbook takes years. And by by Ben Patrick standards, it takes like 20 years, 30 years. So he's like, the stuff that I'm doing, this knees over toes like scenario, or for me, it was like this creative journey on like yoga. Um, like just because it's not in the textbook doesn't mean that it's not productive, you know, or effective. And so you can't get mad at the people like your strength coaches or the people, you know, in your circles on your football team that are operating based off of a old paradigm, because that's the current paradigm, you know? Um, but it's not going to keep me from being curious and innovating. And I, I mean, some of the highest performers I know um, are incredibly curious. Like, look at James, like James Harrison was a favorite player of mine. The amount of money that he would spend in his body acupuncture stretching cold water um cryo um i don't know he did massage everything he would do um he would spend so much money on that whereas like some athletes just you know they just take their god-given talent and they they let it ride right and i really think there's such, there's a huge competitive advantage if you can tap into that creativity and i think it makes you a more a more well-rounded athlete when you're exploring things like a podcast on your downtime right when if you're exploring these other parts of yourselves i think that's cross training for your sport just like your sport is cross training for how you live a good regimented and you know like structured life i think that what you do outside of sport shows up on the field and how creative you are in your maneuvers how creative you are in your communication i think it all translates you know back and forth and so that's why I'm such a proponent for people really exploring their creativity and like what they're really passionate about outside of sport, because it actually is a performance enhancer for the sport itself. Dude, I, I love that you brought that up and I couldn't agree more. And real quick, going back like to like just having different coaches and you talked about how breath work and yoga meditation, like those are implemented into like locker rooms and things like that. We literally, the my, shout out my uh, our strength coach coach Q he had us do um, several times throughout the year we were we all did Wim Hof the Wim Hof breathing mm-hmm. method together mm-hmm. like uh, you know we all we we're all lay down in the weight room turn the lights off and uh, we all did the Wim Hof method which was awesome like it was it was super cool you guys, and like, I do, you guys yeah. like 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 let it rip like you guys like screamed and stuff oh we were <sighs> yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, like we, we were getting after it. It was um, and I, I love the Wim Hof. He uh, my coach, he actually put put me on to him like a year ago and, and breath work cool. itself completely, you know, cha- I don't want to say changed my life, but it completely like opened opened my eyes to, you know, what what it can truly do. And that yeah. coupled with meditation and uh, and visualization, which were things that I did this like leading up to this past season that I hadn't done before. And I truly do think that it played a huge role in, um, you know, me being an, being an average football player over my couple first couple of years of college to, I would say, you know, an, like a, above a slightly above average football player in my, my <laughs> senior, my, my senior year. So we'll go with that. But, um, and just being able to deal with the things that come 
uh, as an athlete, you know, whether it be injury, stress, anxiety, uh, you know, time management, um, like all things that you go through in your daily life, like, cause you're not just an athlete, like you have family issues or not even issues, but like you have responsibilities to your family, to your friends, to social life, stresses, everything, everything. So uh, I think it's really important that other teams begin to implement that as well. And, and the fact that you said like that, that's cross training 100%. Like if you're not training like your mind, your body, your spirit, um, your emotions, like these are all things that I would say played a huge role in, um, you know, my success that I had um, personally and, and even like some of our team success we had this past year. Mm-hmm. It's huge, man. I, I think my podcast, the name might be cross train your brain. I'm like going, going around on different, like, I like that. I like it. that. Cause I, I really think, you know, when you talk about the concussion thing too, like you, and not just concussion, but like subconcussive hits, like the repetitive head trauma, like you got to train not just the biology, but also the mentality, right? Like, so I call it like the software of the brain as well as the hardware, like take care of it physically, but also take care of it mentally. Um, Cause our brain is a tool that operates our mind. Um, so I really think cross-training those two um, along with the rest of our life, I think it's, that's, that's how you create new neural pathways. That's how you connect parts of your brains to new, new spots and you create new, um, habits is through exploration. You don't, you don't get that from just doing the same thing every day. You don't get that, you know? I want to ask you, so you have your own business now. You're a coach. You work with men who are navigating life after sport. How? Did, like, but you also had a successful corporate career for six years. You said how, like when you were in that corporate environment, did you think that you were going to stay there forever? Were you using it as a vehicle to, to eventually start what you're doing now? How, yeah. Like how, how was that transition period for you? Like into, into where you're at now? I'm glad you asked. Cause it's, it's, um, I think it's important to talk about, like I did not land here easily and I'm still growing. There's still a lot to do. Right. Um, but I like, when I came out of college, I was like, okay, I'm really passionate about this like head trauma thing. Let me go work for a startup or something, or just like find someone that's working on this already and help them. And then eventually I'll start my own business, right? Cause I knew I wanted to eventually start a business, maybe two, maybe three, whoever, right? Just passionate about starting businesses and being in entrepreneurship. Um, I went and worked for that startup and things just did not work out. Like the business was not doing well. The founders were hiding some things from the employees. Um, and so it, it just did not work. I had to get out and I need to find something stable just for a little bit. And a friend of mine hired me um, in the tech world at Grubhub. So I started doing account management at Grubhub. And then I told her, I literally told her, I was like, I'm only going to like, I'm not even sure I want to take this job. She's like, just come and do it for a little while. You don't have to stay very long. And I'm like, I'm probably gonna be out of here within a year. And she's like, that's totally cool. And she hired me anyway, she's a friend of mine. And lo and behold, I stayed there for six years, Dom, six years. And like, cause I had this idea, I just didn't know what to do with it, you know? And I, w- I had lost some of my confidence, you know, that I had in sport. Cause I was in this new career and 
the corporate career was going well. Like, I mean, I was, I was a high performer. Like there was no lie about that, but, and I was actually kind of living two faces. I was putting on a face to act like I was passionate about a product that I wasn't. And I think that actually is more of a deteriorator to my own self-confidence than anything else. Living a lie, like living two-faced, while it doesn't feel like it's cheating, I'm basically cheating on myself. You know, like I'm lying to myself. And people, I think, take that for granted. And I, I definitely did too. Because what is confidence? It's trust in yourself. And if every day I'm waking up going to a job that I told myself I would leave years ago, like that is damaging my trust with myself. It's damaging my confidence. So people think like living authentically is all about like leadership and vulnerability. Like you should be authentic, be true to yourself. Like it's all a bunch of like, you know, woo woo talk for like literally just do what you say you're going to do, you know, like live up to it live it out and be yourself. Um, I can't tell you how important that is because it, it ate away at my confidence every year. And by the time I got out of it, you know, I had been building a business for about a year and had finally started taking some action thanks to the mindset work, thanks to a mirror being shown in front of me of my own face and like how I was showing up and how I was questioning myself constantly. And maybe some athletes can relate to this. Maybe you, you question yourself on the field or in the classroom or in social situations or walking up to that girl or that guy, right? Like you have those situations. Um, but the thing was, everyone was actually looking to me to lead this, that whole time. Like I was being shown a mirror, like you are the guy, you know? You just aren't believing in yourself. Where's the gap, you know? And when I finally had people start to tell me that, um, things started to make more sense. And I started to really look at my life through the lens of grabbing the bull by the horns, leading the same way that I did in sport. The same way, you know, which was, let's go, man. <laughs> like, let's, let's go. Let's like, let go of anybody else's opinions or what they think I'm supposed to be doing or how they think I'm supposed to do it. You know, that, that gets in the way of a lot of people, including me, you know? So I don't know, it's, it's way freer doing what you are passionate about, um, whether it succeeds right away or not. I just think it's so much fun, you know? It's way more aligned and I, I could go on a whole other tangent about, about like all that stuff too, but just to answer your question, man, like that's, that's kind of how I got there. No, that's, that's amazing. And I think it, it takes a while. It can take a while, you know, for somebody like somebody listening to this, like you don't have to know what you want right away or what you're supposed to be doing. But the important thing is you just have some sort of self-awareness and know, like if you're, if you don't feel content, then begin to make small changes, you know, like find somebody who's, who's doing what you're doing, reach out to them, see if you can ask them a few questions, read a book on like a topic you're interested, like listen to some podcasts, watch some YouTube videos. There's so many resources out there. It can be even a little bit overwhelming because it is for me too. And you'll never be able yeah. to consume everything that you want to, but I'm curious, what were some of the more difficult things that once you started to make that transition occurred in your life that you had to address or navigate through? 
Hmm. Um, well, one of the biggest ones for me has been um, selling someone else's product was relatively easy for me. You know, as even though if it, it wasn't a product I really loved or cared that much about, you know what I mean? Like I could sell it because I knew it was going to work for the most part. Um, and selling someone else's product was way easier than selling my own product. And that was, that is a constant situation. It's a constant battle where if I'm selling my own product, a lot of us get our product mixed in with our self-worth. And that was definitely me too. So every time I would get a no, I would say, oh, it's not they don't like the product, it's they don't like me. You know, or like I did something wrong or I should have told, maybe my product should have this, this and this, right? That was such, you know, a cluster for me um, to break through that, to actually believe in my product and to separate my self-worth from the product itself. Like just because I have like, two things can go wrong in a sales conversation. Either they don't understand the value of the product or they don't trust the person that's delivering, you know? And I was constantly thinking it was like me, you know what I mean? Or like I was tied up in both of those. So it was just so interesting how, um, you know, starting to go out on my own. I think you run into this as an athlete going into the real world too. All of a sudden you have to now be your biggest cheerleader. You have to be your biggest proponent. You have to sell yourself in a job interview, for instance. Most athletes never have to do that. You let your results speak for themselves, you know. You can go watch your college tape or your high school tape, you know, and like you can get the gist of what this guy is all about. Um, but to go out and like tout yourself, speak about yourself, that's a whole different ballgame. I think that's a huge opportunity for athletes to to build that skill because it's different, you know, as an athlete, you, you never have to do that, you know. If there was one thing that you could, like, if you were at Northwestern, if there was one, like, if you could take, go back to your time at Northwestern, if there's one thing that you would have told yourself, what would it have been? Hmm. It's so funny um, up there. You may, maybe you can see it. Yeah, top of the screen. It's a a block that says "Trust Yourself," and I used to think it was so corny, but it was our it was our head coach Pat Fitzgerald. It was his way of saying like he had a whole um, story behind it and like a whole diagram for like what it meant. Basically, it means like if you can walk on this two by four on the ground, you know, like at ground level, a foot off the ground and you can balance on it and you can walk straight ahead, then you can also do the same thing at 30,000 feet in the air. It's just about the gravity of the situation. It's still the same act. And so like trusting yourself, I think is one of the biggest things that I wish I would have had more of is trusting in my intuition, trusting in my intrinsic capabilities. And what's crazy about that is my senior year, um, we played the bowl game. It was the, we hadn't won a bowl game in 64 years. And we had been to four straight bowl games in my career. So we'd gone to a bowl game every year. So we were on a bowl game streak. We had been to bowl games, but we had lost all of them. And we hadn't won one in 64 years. And um, 
on the third play of the game, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. I followed my instincts on a play. I read that the offensive tackle was cup blocking me. And I got the sense from the quarterback that he was going to throw a swing pass off to the sideline. And as a defensive end, my job is to break that cup block and go after the quarterback and try to sack the quarterback. But I sensed that something else was going to happen. And so I actually dropped back into coverage. <laughs> and I caught an interception and I ran it for a touchdown on the third play of the game. And there I am rumbling, stumbling, getting this touchdown. We end up winning that game. It's the first bowl game win we've had in 64 years. Um, so I'm a Gator Bowl champion and I would have never you know, who knows how that game would have gone. I think that the third play of the game definitely sets the tone, you know, when something like that happens at the gate, it definitely shifts the trajectory. If I wouldn't have trusted myself in that situation, we might still have that monkey on our back, you know, as a school. And there was something about that moment where like, if I would have dropped that pass or like something else would have happened on that play, like something bad would have happened, my coach would have like reamed me out for that, for doing what I did. But I trusted myself. I trusted my instincts. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, I think like you mentioned, we as athletes can get really stuck in our regimented ways. And like, you got to follow the playbook. You got to do this, this, and this. Cause you know, coaches think they had everything accounted for, but there was something in that moment that they hadn't accounted for that I sensed, you know? And if I don't trust myself in that moment to trust my creative genius, my creativity, my intuition, then I lose access to flow. You know, we're friends with Corey Camp, right? Like he's a flow coach, he's a life optimization coach. Like finding flow, I think is a balance of the rigor and discipline and your own creative, you know, endeavors. So if you, you got to balance those. You got to trust your gut and trust yourself. So if I could go back, I would tell myself to do that more often, you know, to trust myself more often. I think it paid off in a big way. What are some ways you're challenged to trust yourself now that you're an entrepreneur, you're in your own business, um, you're involved in a lot of things. How are you challenged to trust yourself on a day-to-day -day basis? Constantly, man. Constantly. Like, oh man, um, you know, as a business owner, I'm constantly expanding and growing. So like the, the growth never stops. You know, you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they have coaches and those coaches talk about those executives all the time. Those CEOs, like you would be so surprised what their life is like behind closed doors, you know, or what their thoughts are, even at the highest level, you know, like what their thoughts are about their next level. Am I doing enough? Can I trust myself? You know? So I'm always fascinated by that. And I, I mean, if I'm not constantly questioning myself, I think I'm not actually trying to grow. You know, if I'm not questioning myself, I'm doing something wrong. If I'm questioning myself too much, that, that becomes an issue. It becomes systemic and that becomes, perfectionism and overanalyzing and avoiding. Um, so I think the challenge for me is like to notice when I'm avoiding something, figure out why I'm avoiding it, and then go tackle it head on. 
but that's always a fear, a fearful situation. I'm always afraid of that. And that's always a challenge. And I'm always, you know, there's always that like, kind of like, hmm, I don't really want to do that moment. But the truth is like, again, talking about flow, um, in order to get access flow state, we have to challenge ourselves by 4% outside of our comfort zone. It doesn't come from staying in our comfort zone. Like if you only challenge yourself like 1% or 2% or don't challenge yourself at all, you will actually rot. You'll go the opposite direction. But if you want to grow, um, there's a saying, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting. So if you want to grow, you have to expand yourself about 4% outside of your comfort zone. That's the sweet spot. That's how you find flow because you take a little risk today, something small today, you're reminded that you can take, you can do hard things basically, you know? And then the next day you'll do something a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And what's really cool about that 4% is there's this thing called compounding interest, you know? Like, and so some people listening might not know what compounding interest is, so I'll explain it really quickly. It's kind of like an interest rate on like a loan or like say you invested $100 right now in the stock market and versus putting it in a savings account, which doesn't accrue any interest at all, really. If you invest in the stock market, it's going to make about, let's say, 10% every year. Um, because of compounding interest, it's not just going to build $10 every year. So it's not going to go up to 110 next year, 120, 130, or 140, 150, 160, up to like 200 after 10 years. No, that's not how it works. It'll actually be at around $250 after 10 years. So it'll be 50% bigger because of compounding interest. Be 100%, instead of being 100% bigger and just 10% bigger every year, it actually grows exponentially. So the same thing happens with our flow state. Um, because you took a 4% stretch outside of your comfort zone yesterday, now tomorrow's stretch, 4% outside of your comfort zone, is gonna be more like 5% compared to, last, compared to yesterday's. You see what I'm saying? So after 10 days or 10 years, 4% for a guy like me is gonna feel like nothing. You know what I mean? Like for me to take two steps ahead, it's gonna take me like nothing in the future because I've constantly been challenging myself. And so, 4% in 10 years will get me so much more than it would today. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm challenging myself now and constantly and I reach that flow state. Totally. And for somebody who typically doesn't get out of their comfort zone that often, what would, you know, generalizing here, but what, what could something be that they could do that's about 4% outside that their, their comfort zone that they could do just to take one small leap, one, moving the needle just a little bit. Yeah. Well, you can take a practical example, like just kind of compare it to lifting weights or running. You know, if you're training for a marathon, you, you're going to increase that distance by 4%, you know, every day or something like that, you know, for instance. Um, add 4% more weight onto the bar next time you go out there, right? Challenge yourself, you know, um, gradual overload, right? Whatever they call it. Um, the same thing goes for your mindset. So when it comes to getting uncomfortable, that might mean, um, I don't know, if you're growing a business, like instead of just like writing a post, go on video, you know, record yourself doing something, record yourself live, 
lean into whatever feels uncomfortable, lean into whatever scares you and just take one small uncomfortable step and you'll know it when you feel it. Because like what, what's worse is actually going too far. You'll know if it's too much of a stretch for you, if it feels too far outside of your comfort zone, like it's 10% or 20%. Because um, if you do and you fail, you know, in that uncomfortable stretch, um, it actually creates unconscious resistance to risk in the first place. So it kind of creates like a trauma, you know, in us. Like if I were like, I don't know, if I was really, if I wanted to, I'm not, I'm not single, but like if I was really attracted to some woman, you know, and like I went up to her and like I asked her on a date, you know, that's like a 20%, you know, jump. A 4% jump might just be going up and walking up to her and saying, hey, my name's Q. Would you like to talk? You know? One has a better chance of return on investment and it's, it's that 4%, you know what I mean? It's that like slight risk, like where you kind of know, I always say you're kind of smiling when you think about it, but it's like uncomfortable. It's like, eh, I don't want to do that, but I, but I should, you know, I'll feel better once I do it. That's the 4%. Okay. I appreciate that. And I think listeners are going to appreciate that as well. Cause I was like 4%. All right. Like, like I get it. I like this. I'm vibing with this, but like, okay, you know, what, <laughs> how, how, how do I decide? How do I know when that 4% is? So um, no, I think that's, I think that's really good advice, but, um, I also like, I was, the one thing that came to mind there was like, what's the opportunity cost of not doing something. That's been what I like something I've thinking been thinking of lately. It's like when I'm debating, you know, something I want to do for my business or my podcast or just my, my relationships, uh, anything in my life, I, I look, I think I try to put myself like a few months, even a few years in the future. And I'm like, if I look back on this moment, would I be proud of myself for doing it or for not doing it? Would I be pissed at myself because I didn't take that risk? So I also just think that putting yourself in that situation, like in the future, like would my future self be happy with this decision right now is important. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I think I like to ask people kind of along the lines of visualization, you know, like you talked about something you leveraged in your sports career more recently. Um, the science behind visualization is really interesting where um, if you can't picture yourself there doing it, then it probably won't happen, you know? And more importantly, if you picture yourself doing it and you don't feel good about it, you know? Like you're definitely not going to want to go out and get it. So there's these like mind tricks we can do where, and it's so interesting, visualization kind of gets a little bit muddy and a little bit muddled when it's actually a really simple concept. Like we do it all the time, you know what I mean? Like when you think about, say you're about to go to a concert, you know, like you've never seen this artist live before, but you can start to visualize what that's going to be like, you know, like you know what the artist looks like, you can look up pictures, you, you've been to this venue before, you know that they're going to be serving X, Y, and Z, you're going to be with your friends. You can start to visualize the kind of experience you want to have at this place, you know, and you can, you can actually start to curate that for yourself. If you visualize it, naturally, you're probably, you know, you, you, we naturally visualize as human beings, you know, we just do that in order to predict the future, because we like to know what we're going to get into. So you can 
like reverse engineer that. That's the that's the tool of visualization. You can start thinking to yourself, okay, in five years, where do I want to be? What's that going to look like? What's that going to feel like? And am I actually going to be happy about it? You know, is this concert going to be really be fun? Or like when I really think about it, like I probably don't want to be with. I don't want that friend to be there, you know, like they're, they're cool, but they're kind of annoying sometimes or like they're always going crazy, right? Like, I don't want to want to go with that friend or maybe we should go to this concert instead because actually they're more they're more of a lively band, right? You, you, when you start to picture yourself there, you start to make different decisions. Mm. So that, that's, that's what thinking ahead really means, right? It's, right. it's right. picturing it, yeah. imagining yeah. yourself there. That's what visualization is. So I think what you asked is a great question. Like, um, the opportunity cost is, is this getting me to where I want to go? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think that's super important. And I even, <laughs> I'll even think if I go out and have some beers tonight, like, how am I going to feel tomorrow? And I can visualize literally <laughs> myself, like feeling like shit the next day. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, maybe I'm not going to go out or like, like even just, even just things like that. Like, that's just an example, but like, you don't have to like always get into this like meditative deep state just to visualize something you can and i've done that but i also mm. know that like you can visualize and start to get a, a feel for things like that are not too far in advance but I, I think that was i think that was great advice um i want to transition a bit into uh your archetype quiz because i took that earlier today um when i was just you know doing a little bit more research on you and so i took the test and I just like before I get into my answers, why don't you explain a little bit what the uh, the life after architect, the life after athlete architect quiz is? Yeah, and just to simplify, by the way, the name's a little bit of a tongue twister. the The website you can go to to take this quiz is just athletearchetype.com. Athletearchetype.com. Um, I'll link and, that in the notes so they can. Yeah, see that. perfect. Um, so the concept of this quiz is. It's only two minutes. It take, it's really simple. It's like 10 questions, but it, um, everyone has kind of an athlete archetype, an athlete identity of how we lead on a football field, on a baseball field, you know, in a pool, right? Everyone can lead different ways, um, but not many of us take that out in the real world. So if you think about, you know, life on a football field, for instance. It's always about four captains, right? And what parts of the field do those captains come from? When you think about it, there's usually a quarterback, usually like a receiver. There's usually like, uh, there's even like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, right? Someone who's more of like an unsung hero. Um, you can even be a captain if you're like the kicker or the punter uh, because you're, you're in that stage of your leadership on the field. And the purpose of, of that concept is you can lead from any place in the field. And the same applies in life. So I, I, this quiz helps you uncover what style of leader you are, where on the field you are, and how you can maximize that in the real world to pull out your genius and lead authentically and in line with who you are. So it's called the Athlete Archetype Quiz because it lines you up with your archetype and your blueprint for ultimate success beyond sport. Beautiful. And so my archetype after taking the quiz was I was the guardian 
So let, let's talk about that real quick for anybody who else, if, if they take this quiz and they get the Guardian. Yeah, first off, um, you can download your results and you can share them with people. You can like post on Instagram too. It's kind of fun. Um, and I love seeing what people get. So please tag me in that um, so we can kind of talk about it and I'd, I'd be happy to expand on it. Um, but the Guardian, um, I don't want to give too much away, but we can True. talk, I, we I, can I, talk I, a little I, bit about it. I, I, I am I, curious just off the bat, like how did it resonate for you? Like did, did the results make sense to you? Did it resonate for you based on kind of your lifestyle? Yeah, no, it was actually scary close to, um, to how I operate as a human, how, especially like there's, there's a, I won't, I won't give it away, but there's a, a section where it says like, when you're in a funk, you can be like that, that, that. And there's like six or seven things. And I was like, huh, this is pretty much me to a T. And <laughs> so um, it was really, really cool and interesting to see how that worked. And, and like, clearly you've done a lot of research on this and it, you know, a lot of the question, even the questions, like when I was answering the archetype quiz, it, it wasn't really like, there's a lot of ones quizzes or like things like that, that I take where it's like, ah, I could be like three of these here. I feel the same way, or like, I, I don't relate to any. And there was really like a clear cut answer for me on every one. Like mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, like that's me. So mm -hmm. I just thought it was really cool and, um, and interesting um, how you were able to put this together and it be yeah. so like detailed and descriptive and like relatable. Yeah. That's great, man. I'm, I'm so glad you got that out of it. And um, that's really the intention. It's supposed to be really simple and give you some really clear cut, you know, direction. There's only four archetypes. You, you'll fall into one category and yeah, you, you might be spot on, but when you get your results, you might, you might not be that way, right? Like you might be like, oh, I could have answered this question differently and maybe it could have gone differently, but you'll, you'll get the gist. And the important part is that um, you're going to understand more in depth how you relate to two key variables when it comes to real life and sport. And I think two of the most key variables for athletes when they retire is what is your relationship with opportunity, like responsibility, basically. And then what is your relationship with visibility? And you're basically getting a score for that. Um, how you currently operate when it comes to those two things. Some people want all the limelight, you know, some people really crave that and they need that to feel some sense of like empowerment. Um, they're leading from the front. They're the face of the program. You know, some people don't need that. Right. Some people just don't like some people want all the responsibility in the world. They want to be able to do a million different things. Some people just want to be really good at what they do, you know? Sure. And it sounds like based on your archetype, you just want to be really good at what you do and you don't need all the flash. You don't need to look a certain way. You just, you just want to do your thing, you know? And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad like the in the funk kind of like resonated for you. So like when you're kind of like, I don't know, like in a weird headspace, like you'll know how you show up and you'll be able to recognize it in the future uh, that you're kind of in a funk. And you'll, I gave you some tools to kind of break out of that, whether it's a, a certain prompt or a certain exercise to do, you can break out of that and get into your more authentic leadership style. Sure. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So, um, and I'm assuming you've had some pretty good success with this with, uh, with your clients. 
It's been pretty cool. Yeah, it's been really cool. It, it's, it really helps me coach them. You know what I mean? It helps me give them more direction and um, understand them more at the core because not everyone wants to be Tom Brady. Right. You know, and, and I think that's, that's really important to know because everyone's goals are different. And so um, the intention is really to help you define your own measuring stick beyond sport, your own scoreboard, because life doesn't define that for you. It could if you allowed it to, right? You could just go a specific way and you could follow a certain pattern or what, what culturally or socially is acceptable. Um, and that might be really fruitful for you, but it might not. And so I think it's really important to establish your own measuring stick beyond sport. And this quiz should help you do that and it has for, for the guys I've worked with. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I want to be uh, I want to be conscious of your time, Q. Uh, I really appreciate your time and coming on here and talking about all this. My uh, my last question for you before um, I ask people where they can find you, uh, besides the athlete archetype quiz, is um, what is the word when you hear the word ambition? What does that mean to you, and how does that apply to your daily life? I, I relate back to that curiosity that we started with. I think ambition is really curiosity. I don't correlate ambition so much with like visible success. You know, I'm kind of like you in the way that I don't need to be like the visible leader um, as much. I just, I just want to be curious and feel like I'm always growing and feel like I'm doing things that are interesting to me. So I think really that word is, is a representation of curiosity, you know? So yeah, stay curious, ask why. I love that, dude. I absolutely love that. And, uh, dude, I just want to say that like what you're doing right now for athletes after sport is, is super valuable. And like a lot of these, I'm obviously in this space right now, um, a month removed from college and, um, playing sports and just have a lot of my friends were athletes. And I think that this conversation, as well as the other conversations you've had with people, as well as the content that you're continually putting out there is super valuable. So, I just want to acknowledge you for that. Where can people find your stuff? Thanks, Dom. I appreciate that. I appreciate this platform too. Thanks for putting this together and having me on. Um, people that um, people can find me on Instagram primarily, um, also on LinkedIn. But Instagram is my handle is Q Williams, um, so it's Q Williams double underscore. Um, you can find a bunch of free stuff on there. Um, the athlete archetype quiz is is athletearchetype.com. And then, um, yeah, I have, I have some programming coming up too. I don't know when this podcast is coming up, but every six months I run a, a men's group program for retired athletes. And it's a really dope program. It's called Wheelhouse. And so you can jump on the wait list if you're interested in that. And um, that's like one of my, my favorite offerings. It's, it's, it's like having a team again, you know, like, like you were in sport and having some structure and some accountability for all the things you really want to do. So um, yeah, check that out. That's, that's where you can find me. Well, cool, man. I appreciate that. And I'll be sure to link all the show, uh, all of that in the show notes. So, um, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank you.